welcome back to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, and I have the lovely Jenna Henderson, photography and coaching on the podcast today. And Jenna is, she's probably the person that I go to the most for boundaries or for talking about like how to have good boundaries in our life and our business. And the person that always comes up in my mind when I'm like, how would Jenna say this? So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today because I think we're getting back into busy season. Photographers are already starting to feel overwhelmed and bogged down. And we're, we're talking about boundaries, but also like the mental load that women in particular and business owners tend to carry and kind of what to do with all of that. So thanks for being on here again. You've been a guest before and we always love having you. So thanks for being, being here. Hey, hey, glad to be here. I'm always glad to hop on and have a conversation with you. I could probably talk to you about anything for hours. So you'll have to rein me in a little bit, but this is my favorite topic to talk about boundaries. Um, I love them so much for women, for business owners. So we're going to, we're going to have a good conversation. We were getting started before, before we hit record and I was like, okay, how do we do all of this? And we were even talking about like, how do you know when you need a boundary? Cause I think you and I are maybe a little different in this. I'm mm-hmm. like, when do you know when something's too much for you? Cause I don't, you know, and I don't know if it, it's like society or whatever that's told us we shouldn't have boundaries, but sometimes for me, I don't even know until it's too late. And then I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I don't need to be doing that again. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it is learned from society. For women specifically, because women for thousands upon thousands of years have been told you're on this earth to serve and you have to serve in these specific ways. You have to serve to the detriment of your own personal well-being. Like you have to push all other identities aside to put this type of service first, which is usually in the realms of wifehood and motherhood mm-hmm. and everything else is pushed aside. And so that message that we've been bombarded with from our patriarchal society for years and years makes it really difficult for women to know, like, what boundaries are we allowed to set? What should we set? What is one that we haven't even realized that we need to set, but would feel really good because we just really haven't had an example of it. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't talk about it. I mean, people are talking about it more now, but I also Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of the recent talk around boundaries is like, is like cutting people out of your life, which doesn't totally align with me either. Like it's almost this real hard pendulum swing to the other side, instead of thinking like, how can we, how can we like honor where we are and voice our needs and say that in like a kind way that still preserves the relationships in our lives. So I'm excited to talk about it today because you always have your boundaries with such confidence and kindness and um, it's really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to start with business or with personal life stuff? Let's, let's start with business because business boundaries, you know, for small business owners, boundaries get blurred very quickly and very easily because we're often the only ones in our business. And so there's very little distinction between us as a business owner and us as a person. We're the face of our business. We're the one that Our clients are working directly with, we do all parts of our business. We typically work out of our homes. And so those lines get really blurred really quickly. And and we have to be very intentional about saying, no, this is me as a work version of me. And this is me as my home version of me and know what those differences are. And not only know what those differences are, but then communicate them to our clients, 
our spouses, partners, family members, ourselves, and, and get protective of them. Not just to, it's, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I'm going to work during these hours and I'm not going to work during these hours, but, or these days or whatever. But then when that time comes to stick to it and, and get protective and not allow those boundaries to continue to get crossed. And, and I think business owners too struggle with it because <clears throat> our business is here is built to serve our clients. And so here we are talking about how we've been told we have to serve, have to serve, have to serve, and we go into business to serve. And so where do we draw that line between serving and people pleasing and, and people pleasing, I think is what our society has taught us to do. And so we naturally do that in a lot of different ways in our personal lives, but then that translates to business as well. We continue to people please. And that's often out of a fear of judgment a fear of confrontation. Sometimes that's a trauma response from childhood. I'm sure I'm not a psychologist or therapist, but I think there's things at play there. And so all of that builds into like, we just don't know how to say no or set a boundary and, and do it confidently, but kindly in a way that really works for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, learning how to communicate on the front end has been such a big help for me because I often hear photographers saying, and I even feel this myself sometimes where I'm like, I, I need to deliver a preview to this client or I haven't delivered this full gallery mm -hmm. yet. So <clears throat> I can't be on Instagram doing anything else, or I can't be showing that I'm on vacation or doing this other thing. How do you go about communicating some of those expectations so that you have the freedom in between, like you're still delivering a good service, but you also have freedom for those downtimes. Yeah. It's well, we have to remind our clients that we are a business and we're a human and there is a difference. And so it's, it's big things. It's little things. Um, one of the most effective things for me is to remind my clients regularly and is in, in many, in as many ways as possible that I have office hours. And so first of all, I had to decide what my office hours are. And for me, I have school-aged children. So I work off of my family schedule. So I'm usually in my office, um, you know, school days during school hours, but that might not be the case for everybody. And so whatever your office hours are, whenever you naturally are working, say, these are the days that I'm going to work. And if you're a stay-at-home mom and you've got kids around, maybe pick two days where you've got a sitter coming in. And those are your two days and you get protective of those two days. If you've got school age kids, if you don't have kids, whatever it is, you decide what your office hours are and you then communicate them. And we say, over and over and over. My office hours are, we put it in our signatures on every single email. We put it on our websites. We list it in our Instagram bios. When our clients contact us outside of office hours, we have autoresponders that say, Hey, thanks for your email. I'll get back to this when I'm in the office. When we're on shoots with them, you know, we manage expectations right then and there. And if they ask us a question, or if they're like, when will these be ready? You say, well, you know, I'm looking at a four to six week turnaround time. Um, I can email you more specifically next time in my office, or if they, you know, ask a question, you'd be like, you know what, next time I sit down in my office, I'll do that. And, and then on the back, or the flip side of that, I'm also saying, oh, this weekend we're going to go, I'm so excited. We're going to the pumpkin patch. Are y'all going to the pumpkin patch this weekend? We are too. Which one do you go to? And, and remind them to the difference of, of me. And so that allows me to connect with my client, first of all, on a, on a person to person basis, but it also triggers in their minds, Hey, like I'm running a business and I'm going to serve you and show up for you, but I'm also living my life too. Totally. Yeah. I find like those clear, even those clear delivery dates of it'll be to you on this date. Like yes. all, most people, all they want is something to look forward to and to not yes. feel that like unsteadiness. 
And yes. so as long as you're holding to what you say, like getting to right. that time in between and be a human is so, is so valuable. And the thing is, there are no rules. We can pick any day we want. We don't have to pick 36 hours from now. We can pick three weeks, six weeks, whatever we need to pick. And, and usually I even say whatever your typical average turnaround time is double it, just go ahead and double it because you never know when you're going to get sick, when your kid's going to get sick, when, um, like, which has happened to me, I've been sick. My kid's been sick. Last minute trips have happened. Um, out of town guests come in, uh, the power goes out for a week because of snow, like literally all of these things have happened that have potentially delayed my turnaround time. But because I gave myself such buffer, I was still hitting the mark every single time and proving to my client, I'm going to show up for you, but I'm going to show up for you on my terms and, and within my boundaries and the boundaries that work for me. Totally. I really think that that's the key to going a long time in this business and also Mm -hmm. making sure everyone stays happy as you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, do you want to like share, has anyone texted you maybe on a weekend or like reached out when it was outside of your office hours? Like what's a quick thing that you would say back or like, how do you, how do you kind of like respond to that to still maintain your boundaries? Yeah. Well, I'm terrible at responding to texts. Um, I forget about them. And so usually I will say, Hey, great question. Email me this. So I see it tomorrow when I'm in the office. And, and that's what my clients do. They're like, okay. And then immediately I'll get an email and they've usually even copy and pasted it. But what it means is now I have it in my inbox. I'm organized. I can address it. And, and I've trained my longtime clients so well that even when those after hour and weekend text comes in, it starts with don't feel compelled to respond right now. I know it's the weekend. I know you're not in the office, but I had this question pop into my mind. And so that just tells me that I have, you know, this repetition over and over they figured it out and they're not expecting me to respond right away because I've trained them to not expect it. Yeah, totally. I love that example. I mean, just like email me and I'll get to it next, you know, work day. I had someone do something similar too, which I feel like people don't do very often anymore, but it was like right before the holiday weekend, it was like a Thursday night and they had an extra request or last minute request for something And I was like, Hey, I already took off for the Labor Day weekend, but I will get right to this on Tuesday. And a former version of me would have been like, I have to go and get this Mm -hmm. done right now before we go out of town. But just realizing, Hey, those extra requests, it's okay to say, Mm -hmm. Hey, that's, you know, that's Mm -hmm. something I can deal with when we come back. Yeah. I've already taken off. Yeah. And for photographers in the busy season, when I get, you know, what I have to focus on right now is shooting and delivering. Right. And above and beyond that is like, is it urgent? And and sometimes I ask my clients, do you need this before Christmas? And if they're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Then I tell them, okay, then I'm going to put it off until after Christmas. Like if an album delivery, uh, album design for a baby's first year or something, or um, as we get to that deadline, some of my clients send Christmas card pictures, some don't. And so I can say specifically, like, I'm swamped right now. Is this something that you need? And if not, then I'm going to put it off for a while and then we'll come back to it. So like, I've got a client that I see every year. She wants her frame gallery wall updated when we do pictures and I see her in the fall, but she knows that we're not going to deal with her frame gallery until January because that's just how it works. And and she's good with that. She knows that come January, I'm going to come through. We're going to take care of it. I'm not forgetting about her, but I don't, I give myself permission 
to take it off my plate right now. And I communicate that to her. She can't read my mind. She doesn't know what's going on. So I just tell her what's up and and we work together on it. That's such a good example. And I think gives so many people permission to time things for different seasons too, because I know for, for me, a lot of times in the busier seasons, I'm like, all right, get out there and perform and like do more, you know, like take on, you just got to figure out how to make all this work instead of being like, it is okay to set expectations and say, this is really busy right now. I'm going to maybe wait to do that project until the winter and just communicate clearly about that. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there any things that you do that with? Like, are there if and maybe an example of something that comes up there, like this is seasonal, this I'm going to put mm-hmm. somewhere. For yes. Like- yes. About this time of year is when I start my running winter to-do list. And this helps alleviate some of the mental labor that as a photography business owner that I carry. So I may be coming through and I'm like, oh gosh, like today I was looking at my website and like, I need to update these pictures on this website. And I was thinking like, oh, my location guide, like there are two more locations I can add to this or all of these little things that are coming up. Or like I said, my client that wants their frame gallery walls, or I've got another client that's going to need an album after her son's one year session um, next month. And so all these little things that need to be done, but they don't have to be done right now. So I, I put them on my running winter to-do list. I get them out of my brain um, so that I've got space for things that do need to be taken care of right now. And then once winter comes, Oof, I've got this whole plan of how to spend my off season. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to spend this week updating my website and updating that location guide. And I can shift gears and I can shift into project brain mode. I can stop working in my business so much and start working on my business. So that's kind of how I, I differentiate in the busy season. If it's a on my business thing, now's not the time. I'll get to that. It'll come right now. I just need to keep up with working in my business. That's such a good thing to think about because I think we, we, um, we meaning me slash, I think mm. other people deal with this too, where we're like, I should be able to do all of this, or I'm supposed to just take on more and more and more and more instead of being like, everything can have its season and you'll be mm. more effective. If you take some of those things out of your brain, put mm-hmm. them on paper, come back to them when you have more time to focus instead of trying to like do all the things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, like and we're focusing on it, we can be smarter about it then like blogging for SEO purposes. I can sit down in January and I can, you know, type out a year's worth of blogs, 12 to 24, that's two a month. And I can brain dump all my ideas at once. I can type them all at once. I can get the photos, get them all scheduled all at once. And then I don't have to touch it for the rest of the year. And, and then as the year comes up and I'm like, Oh, do I need to blog? Do I need to blog? No, I took care of it. And I can think about that come next January. So it's, it's other things too. Like we can be smarter about it instead of just trying to constantly do things. It helps us batch things a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And blogging is such a good winter activity anyway. It is. Yeah. You grab a hot chocolate, some other fire blog. It was always my like favorite thing about off season was getting to do all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's a, I think an attitude in a lot of photographers where, we, in, we just are really mean to ourselves about all the things we feel like are on our to-do list that we're not dealing with. Like <laughs> I should be doing this. I should be doing SEO. I hear this all the time. I should be mm-hmm. doing SEO. I should be blogging. I should be this. I should be this. Anything that you say to that voice, that's just like very critical of all the things we think we should be doing that we can't get to right now. So I think of a phrase that my grandfather used to always say, which was keep the main thing, the main thing. And so for us as photographers, like, what's the main thing that we're here to do? We're here to take pictures. 
and give them to our clients. And so anything, if we don't have time to do other things because we're too busy doing the main thing, that's okay because we're keeping the main thing, the main thing. And so when we aren't busy doing the main thing, doing the photography, taking the pictures, then it's like, okay, well, how can we make the main thing, the main thing? That's when those times of marketing SEO projects, all of that stuff can come in to support that. But once we've done that, and then we get back to that point of photography is the main thing again, then that's what we got to focus on. We got to get back to our roots and simplify a little bit and be like, Hey, I'm a photographer. I'm taking pictures into story. Like that's what I'm here to do. And I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And there's obviously like a season for outsourcing and growing, but a lot of people aren't in that place yet. And it's just like, get, get good at focusing on what you're doing and, um, in the slower season work on the building. Yes. Um, well, speaking of mental load, how do you define that? Because I'm thinking about my brain on a given day. Actually, I'll try to communicate it to my husband sometimes where he's like, what are you thinking about? And he's over mm-hmm. there like, do, 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 not thinking about much at all. And I'm like, I'm thinking about this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And he just is like, ah, what, where did all that, you know, where did all that come from? Um, like, what does that mean to you? And how do you think the invisible mental load affects um, business owners and specifically like female business owners? I think it's because it is so invisible, we don't even realize how much of a mental load we carry. And and it's hard for business owners who are the only ones in their business, which I think is a lot of photographers. You know, some of us have teams and some of us have outsourcing in place, but a whole lot of us don't. Um, We're just not at that place yet, or we haven't learned how yet. And so we have to navigate all of that you know, top to bottom, we have to be the the CEO and we have to be the janitor and we have to be everything in between and, and navigating that mental load of, oh, did I strategize my uh, Instagram feed properly? And, oh, did I contact that person or mind them for their album pickup date or like everything can pop into our heads. And so for business owners, we have to do things like simplify. We have to set up our CRMs to support us. We have to brain dump sometimes just literally get every thought out of our brain and onto a piece of paper with a pencil, just so we can like see it and start to like wade through it and organize it and categorize it and develop a plan for ourselves instead of letting it continuously float around in our heads. Because if it's always up there and we never alleviate it, we never get it out um, for our business, then there's not space for us to then show up to be creative and to grow and to be the best version of our business selves because it's too crowded in our brains. So that's, that's a specific challenge as, you know, single business owners, we have to deal with large companies don't have to do this so much because there's secretaries and there's a department for this and a department for that. So we have to kind of be conscious of that challenge and, and be proactive to alleviate that for ourselves. But then when it comes to life personally, you know, I'm, I'm married. I've got a husband. We've been married 17 years. You're married. A lot of us as women who have husbands, spouses, partners, whatever, we tend to carry the mental labor for our household. And that's an invisible load that has been ingrained to us by our mothers and fathers by their example. And, and that's a load that we don't have to carry on our own. We've got a partner in our lives that we can share this with, but we're not going to do it if we just continue to not call attention to it for ourselves and and then not speak about it and talk about it. Yeah, I know. I, I think about, I love Michael Hyatt and his company. And he talks about like, when you have something that you realize is a, a weight on your plate, you get mm-hmm. to decide if you're either going to delegate it 
or um, mm -hmm. automate it or quit it, you know, <laughs> and just be like, I'm not going to do that. And I wonder, do you have an example of something that you were like, this is something that I can easily automate. And then also, do you have like the delegate and the quitting examples, either in business or personal life? Because I think they do really go together. Yeah. Well, you know, thinking about automating, um, something that I like to do in my business is I want to make sure that I'm really showing up for my clients on a personal level and serving them. And I love to do that with just a little handwritten thank you note. After a session, when I've, after I've delivered, I just, you know, five minute little thank you notes, stick it in the mail. And so to automate that a little bit, I keep note cards with my name on them. I keep stamps, envelopes, everything that I need right here at my desk within arm's reach. I also put it in my workflow on my CRM so that after, before I close out that project, I can see write thank you note and I can check it off so that, you know, three days later, I sit up in the middle of it and I'm like, did I write them a thank you note? I don't have to remember. I can yeah. go and I can look and see, oh yeah, I did. Or no, I didn't. Now I'll do that. And that prevents me from forgetting or sending them three. <laughs> Cause I feel like yeah. it would be one or the other. I would either forget completely or they're going to get three in a row. <laughs> and so that's, so. that, you know, yeah. <laughs> CRMs uh, I think are a great way to automate things. Um, and then thinking about it personally, you know, I think this is, this is one that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but like I said, women are the household mental laborers. Um, for me personally, I know we were talking about this before we started recording, but back in June, we had a mini trip to New York. My husband and I took a mini trip to New York and leading up to it, I recognized the mental load that I was carrying when I snapped at my husband because he had the audacity to ask me what time our flight left. And I just came unglued. And the reason is, because I had been carrying the mental load um, and, and not just and, and in several different ways. I had been the, the main planner for the trip. You know, I initiated the trip. I did the um, research for the hotels and balance, you know, trying to figure out the balance between how bougie it is versus our budget. I did the research for the airplane flights and what time do we need to leave where we're not going to be exhausted. We're not going to hit traffic, but it's going to give us a good day of travel. And, and then, so there was that kind of travel arrangements that I was doing and, and carrying all, and it's unseen. All of this labor is unseen. Then there was also the like, okay, are the kids situated to have, I talked to my mom about when they need to go and come, like, does she know where they need to be picked up from? And do they have their clothes? And what about their toothpaste? And they each have their own toothpaste. And she, you know, like all of this kind of mental labor. And then like, I'm trying to get my office shut down for a couple of days and have I set up my autoresponders. And so all of this stuff is going through my brain. And then he had the audacity to ask me what time our flight left. And, <laughs> and that's when I was like, what? <laughs> And because number one, I had told him, uh, number two, I had uh, forwarded him the like ticket confirmation. Email. And number three, I had put it on the calendar, our shared calendar with specific takeoff and landing times. So not only had he had three different ways to find this information, um, he, he's now like asking me in a moment when I was like mentally working through all these other things. And I was like, you're really expecting me to to stop these other mental processes and answer this question for you when you could figure it out on your own. <laughs> and so, and so we had to have a conversation about that and be like, listen, this is not okay. Like, and, and it's more than just saying, Hey, I need help. And Hey, um, I need you to do this because that, that delegation is still a mental like job. That still is us being the CEO of our 
homes and being like, okay, your job is this and your job is this. When really we need to be partners together and say, okay, this is us working together. How can we do this together? I need help with this. What can, what do you want to help with? What do you feel comfortable doing? Like, how can we work together so that we're both doing this? We both are on the same page and it doesn't fall one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. Like that handing back the mental load is such a big deal because even if you've tried having a team or outsourcing and you're still the one kind of managing the whole project, it doesn't feel as, as much like you've let it go as you want it to, because it doesn't feel like, oh, we've really come together as a team, which I think feels so similarly in so many households where Mm -hmm. you're just like, I, I mean, one big one for me the other day where I was like, I am in charge of our social calendar. Like we would not have friends as a family. Mm -hmm. if I wasn't organizing the play dates and taking Mm -hmm. here and there and whatever. And, you know, so finding kind ways to be like, this is, I'm going to give you this like soccer, not my jam. Like you handle Mm -hmm. that, you know, that kind of thing. And just knowing when we need to tap out and being Mm -hmm. like, can't, not going to, not going to carry this load anymore, but it's hard. It's hard to have conversations without feeling bad about it or feeling like getting feelings hurt or whatever. It's hard to even recognize that the conversation needs to be happening because again, we've not had good examples from our own mothers, our grandmothers, like our own lives, because women have just done this that just have for years and years. And that's what we, and so, and there's so many things, the mental load of household management, which is laundry and grocery shopping and meal planning, the mental load of childcare and arranging it or taking care of it and entertaining the children, the mental, like and activities and toys, the mental load of, um, of clothing management. That's one that has gotten to me lately. Like I'm the one that does the shopping when the kids are out growing their clothes and I'm the one that's packaging up the, the clothes to save for the next kid and storing them and, and cleaning out and passing on to the next mom and all of these kinds of things. And so, and that's, I think where burnout comes from is because we carry so much of this mental load to the point where we're just completely exhausted, completely burned out. And we don't know how to set those boundaries and say, no, I don't have to be the one, the only one that does this. We can do this together or you can take this over completely. And in one place that I recognize in our household, uh, a mental labor that has been passed from me to my husband, which is non-traditional thing, but he is the birthday party mental laborer. Meaning in any time that our kids get a birthday party invitation, he's the one that keeps up with the invitation. He's the one that's checking the calendar. He's the one that is RSVPing to the parent. He's the one that's doing the birthday gift shopping. And he's often the one that's taking the child. And so he's also often the only dad at the party because it's just goes to show that moms just take care of it. And, and that's what I want us to start to shift in our society as business owners, as moms, as women is to be like, no, adults need to do adult things. doesn't matter if you're the wife, the husband, the man, the woman, whatever. Adults should do adult things. Parents should do parental things. So let's figure out what those things are that need to be done. And then let's take care of them and forget whose job it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and sometimes it's not, you know, like my partner, your partner, it's like, they want to do it. Sometimes I think we just think it's going to be easier if we just do it instead of kind of being like, let's invite each other into this conversation and do it together as that, you know, conversations are hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's, it's, it is hard. And it's hard because again, we have to recognize that there's something that's burning us out. 
we, that's the first step is to, is, um, isn't that one of the steps of like AA, like the first step is to admit yeah. that you have a problem. Like yeah. we have to recognize that this is stressing me out. And yeah. so to, to know when we're getting stressed and, and maybe that's because we're getting snappy. Maybe that's because we're getting emotional. We're getting teary, whatever, but the, like, yeah, the growing resentment where you're like, Ooh, yes. I didn't know I was upset about this, but I, am. yes, yes. And say, I'm feeling resentful about this to say that. And, and, and sometimes that's a blindsided. Like I had no idea you felt resentful about that. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about it. Like, how can we fix this? Like, that's, that's what my husband, like, if I said, I'm starting to feel resentful about this, then, then we could talk about it. And sometimes it's, it's easy things like, or like, it was a very easy thing for us, I think, which has set us up long-term um, because there was a time when I was the only working member, you know, working adult, like, and he was a house husband. He was a stay-at-home dad. And so when he was not working, that's when I was like, listen, you're not working. I am. So I'm going to hand off all of the household management to you now, because that's how we're going to equally split our load here. And so he took over all of, he was cleaning, he was grocery shopping and and he had to learn. I had to teach him some of these things because he didn't have a great example either. His dad was not this person. My dad thought this person, our dads, you know, how many times have we heard our dad's generations brag about how they never had to change a diaper. (laughs) And so we've like our, the men in our lives haven't had an example of doing these things either. And so I had to say, you know, this is, this is how I typically grocery shop and this is how I typically do laundry. And, and this is how I typically clean and, and bring him on board and make space for him to come into that. And he learned it. And then as things shifted around, you know, he went back to work. I had to be the one to say, okay, I recognize you're working out. I need to be more aware of the household chores now too. So we can go back to splitting this a little bit more evenly and both of us carrying this load, but it was, it was something that took practice. And, and sometimes I'm bad at it. Sometimes he has to say to me, Hey, I'm overwhelmed with laundry or Hey, I I'm, I need a break and, and that's okay. And so for each of us to, to recognize that we want to love and support each other enough to say, yeah, you do need a break. Go take one tonight. He's going, he's taking the night off. He's going to a movie by himself, he's taking himself out to dinner. He's going shopping. He loves to shop and I hate it, uh, but that's what he's doing. And I am managing the kids where just tomorrow night I'm going out with a friend and he's he's got it under control. So it's, yeah. it's because we had conversations of, this is what I need. This is what, this is the boundary that I need to set. This is the line that I can't cross. And how can we work together on it? I think it's hard for both sides too. It's like having that relationship where someone can be like, I'm burned out and I need to go on a walk. I think both sides of a lot of partnerships feel like they're supposed to just be able to manage it all instead mm-hmm. of admitting when they're tired and saying, or I need alone time, or I need this or that, you know, like it's unnatural to ask for those things and, and getting good at it is actually a lot of it's freedom and loving to the other person too. Cause I want to give my partner what he needs and he wants to yeah. give me what I need. So, you know, it's, it just is like a cheat code when they're willing to just tell you what they need. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great point. Like, of course you need a night off. Absolutely. Take a night off. Like do what you need to do. It's recognizing that we're whole people outside of our titles. Like I'm still a person outside of motherhood. I'm a person outside of, of being a wife. I'm a person outside of being a photographer, being a coach. All of these things are titles on our own, but I'm still a person outside of them too. And, and to say, this is what I need so that the best version of myself can show up to each of these titles. That's what boundary setting is all about. 
If you're feeling burned out or stuck in your creative business, we want to invite you to join our self-paced business coaching course, Danger School. It's full of audio and video lessons, plus a workbook, templates, and coaching examples and assignments. So you can break out of pricing plateaus, reignite your joy in your business, and bring in financial abundance. Our clients have been able to double and triple their revenue, create more space in their personal lives, land dream projects, get major features, and give back to their communities. You can download and listen to these lessons on your phone just like this podcast, and we have lots of clients who go back to certain sections again and again when they need to break out of a rut. You can find this course and all of our coaching offerings at dangerschool.com. Now back to our episode. Do you ever have to set boundaries with yourself? And I think when I say that, I mean kind of simplifying because something I do notice is that the better we get at productivity, the better we get at automating and outsourcing, sometimes we, our whole, our world grows bigger instead of Mm -hmm. like allowing for more space. We're just like, well, now I can do more, you know? And like, I think that's how corporate America works too, is when you get better at something, they're not like, oh, well now we only have to work three days a week. They're like, well, now we have to work five days a week making even more, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, how do you kind of set those boundaries with yourself or try to simplify your expectations for life in a world where everyone expects each other to answer a million text messages a day and be available constantly and be on, you know, like social media, is there anything that you do that's kind of counter cultural that lets you be more simple with things? Yeah, I think it goes back to knowing what we value, what our core values are and, and what we really want. There's three big questions we have to ask. What do we want? Why do we want it? And how do we get there? And if we have the answer to those questions, then everything else comes, becomes really, really simple. Um, and so like, for example, what do I want? I want um, peace at home with my family. Why do I want it? Because I love my family and I'm a little bit lazy and I like to just chill. How am I going to get there? I'm going to set off first. I'm not going to take too many sessions. I'm going to raise my prices so that I can afford to not take too many sessions. Sounds like it's, it's going back to that core value of knowing what you want and holding mm-hmm. really steady to that because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being okay with it when um, our, my boundaries don't align with someone else. Part of my whole message as a coach is that people are going to work with us on our terms or they're not going to work with us at all. And so, and that's where that boundary setting, like, like saying that out loud, like, or they're not going to work with this at all. There might be some people who just went like, Oh, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? They're not going to work with us. And there's some fear and some feelings that come up and some anxieties there of like, well, uh, they're going to abandon me and they're going to this and they're going to that. And, and maybe, but if someone's going to leave you or abandon you at the first sight of you putting up a boundary, did they need to be in your life in the first place? Uh, But but chances are, if they truly like are in it with you and love you and, and want to support you, they're going to work with you on your terms. They're going to respect the boundaries that you set. It goes in our personal lives and it goes for our clients. Clients will respect your boundaries because they want to work with you and they want to support you and they want to be, a, you know, they recognize that you're setting boundaries so that you can serve them better and they want to be served well by you. And so if this is how they're going to get that good service from you, then they're going to be great with it. And if they're not, then you don't need them as your client. 
So that's, that's how I I see it when it comes to boundaries. You asked me before we started recording, like if boundaries are something that I learned or if it's something that came naturally to me. And I think it came, it has always come very naturally to me because if someone's not willing to be with me as who I am on my terms within my space, then they're not someone that I want to give my energy to in return. And so get with it or get away. Like, like what's a good, like get on board or get off the train. Like it's not, it's, it's not a lukewarm thing. It's not a either or thing. It's like, this is me. This is who I am. These are the boundaries that I need to set. Um, Come with me here and let's do this together. Or you're not worth my time. You're not worth my energy. It reminds me of the, did you read the humans of New York article about the woman Deidre? Um, yeah, yeah. And she just, it's kept, been a while, but she was a singer, right? Yeah. She was a singer yeah. and she ran away from her pastor husband. And she just kept saying like, because what I offer is rich. Yes. What I have to offer is rich. And it yes. feels like that's what the attitude feels like of like, I know I'm really worthy and give really beautiful, like do really beautiful work for people. And so like, I can have boundaries that Mm -hmm. that protect myself and protect others because I know what I'm offering is really rich. And if you want it, like it's, it's so good to have those boundaries. And so Mm -hmm. good to remember that, like, you're not only worthy because you bend over backwards for people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I I do remember that story and that's what I have to offer is rich. And, and even if that's hard for us to say about ourselves, what I have to offer is rich. That's a really bold statement. We can still recognize that what I have to offer is me like, and this is who I am and, and you can get on board with that. Or if that's, if you're not okay with who I am, I'm not going to change who I am to try to make you okay with me. I'm not going to change my business. I'm not going to change my personality, how I live my life, like be okay with me or, or you're not somebody that I want to give my energy to. Yeah. I know that immediately brings up a couple stories for me of like times where I early on, when I set a boundary, I was just learning this and mm-hmm. like someone was trying to walk all over a contract I had. And I was like, I'm happy to work with you if you can sign this contract, but if not, like we're going to have to go a different direction. And mm-hmm they got really upset and ended up a year later when that event would have happened coinciding with something really hard that happened in my life and me just being so grateful that they had moved along and I didn't Mm -hmm. have to deal with them during this really hard situation. So I think sometimes it's not comfortable when you're learning this, if you're used to people pleasing, but there's always like, oh my gosh, I just learned so much about people and learned so much about, about like valuing what I have to offer. Yes. Yes. And who we are as people and as business owners. Yeah. Do you have any stories like that of any time that people didn't appreciate the boundary or anything that like something didn't work out and you had to, you know, you, it opened a door for someone, something else. Yeah. Yeah. So I think of, um, uh, two stories came to mind. One is probably one I've told before. Like I set a boundary early in my career that I was not going to accept shoots on Saturdays and Sundays anymore. Weddings, sure. Weddings happening on Saturdays, but just like family shoots and things like that. And I had done that for a while, but I was getting to the point where I, I started to notice that like I was getting resentful. I didn't want to go out and shoot on Sundays. I wanted to be at home and take a nap and take my bra off on Sunday afternoons and be on the couch. And so um, <clears throat> I was, I just set a boundary, no more shoots on Sundays. And, and 99% of my clients that asked, Hey, do you have any Sundays available? And I responded with, I don't shoot on Sundays. 
or no, I don't have any Sundays available. They're like, okay, what about Friday or what about Thursday or what they figured it out. There's one client in particular who, who fought me on it. She's like, well, my husband works six days a week and the kids, this school and soccer practice that and blah, 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 blah. The only day we could possibly do it is Sunday. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I don't have any Sundays available. I don't work on Sundays. And I didn't explain it. I didn't over justify it. I didn't, I don't even know if I apologized. I don't even know if I said, I'm so sorry. I just said, I don't have any Sundays available because I don't shoot on Sundays. End of sentence. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, and then she came back in a real kind of snarky email. She's like, well, I guess if you're just not willing to work with us on a Sunday, we're just, we just can't work on a Sunday. And I'm like, okay, I'm really sorry to hear that, but here's the list of people who might get you in instead. And, um, that was it. That was in the conversation. And, and turns out like she wound up booking with another client that a couple of years later, like we connected through the photography community and we were swapping stories and realized that this photographer had wound up with her as a client and told me what a nightmare client she was mm. like, because she was just, I need this and I need that and blah, 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 blah. And, and yes, we need things, but, but if you're going to just walk all over me to get them, I don't want to give them to you. And, and if you're not willing to work with me here. So um, it was a, a train wreck avoided. Like if she wasn't going to uh, respect that one simple boundary, what else, where else was she going to push back on me? And how uh, many other ways was she going to fight me? And I didn't want to spend my energy fighting her. And so by holding that one boundary, I saved myself so much of that mental load of having to fight her in other ways and having to figure out the next boundary and can I do this and can I do that? And, and so that's one example. And then another example, that's kind of similar to yours and how it worked out later. There was a photographer who wanted me to, um, come with her to assist at some travel sessions and workshops um, in the Seattle, Portland area, which at the time my best friend lived there. So that was very alluring to be able to go and visit and all that kind of stuff. Um, and as we talked about it more, like there was not going to be a whole lot in it for me and, um, very little or no pay, not a lot of time to actually go see my friend, like all these kinds of things. And then another opportunity popped up where I was going to be able to shoot something at a venue. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot in it for me there, but the way that I was being spoken to was so much more respectful of my time and my energy and my talents. And so ultimately, and they happened at the same time. So I had to choose, I couldn't be two places in the country at once. So ultimately I turned down the travel, even though it seemed shiny and, and I took this job for little or no pay. I think it was no pay. I think it was kind of a trade style shoot kind of thing. But what happened was because I was in town, I was able to be at an event that coincided with the venue. I met so many planners. I started to build so many relationships and I can trace back dozens, dozens of paid high paying shoots and weddings to this one single event. Mm. And, and I don't think that that would have been the case the other way around. And I think it's because the environment that I chose where there was respect for who I was and there was some, Hey, we can't, you know, we're not paying you for this, but we'd love to offer you this and this and this and this instead. And and this is where we're trying to like benefit you versus the other one. It's like, I need this. I need this. I need this. No, I don't think that's going to work out for you. Like there was just a difference. And so to, um, to recognize like, Hey, these people are the ones that are respecting me. Um, I'm going to go that direction. Um, and then to see it pay off and like with real money for years and years, like there was one particular client who I met there 
and she was a planner's assistant and I worked with her for her wedding and then for her first baby and then her second baby. And I see her every year for Santa minis and, and then she referred somebody else. And so there's like dollars that I can trace back. That's, that's just a good example of like going where my energy is like, yes, this is where I feel more respected and more at peace here instead of what may like look shiny on the surface. Right. Uh, Those are really good stories. I know. I think we always are like, oh, if someone gets upset, if I set a boundary and they're upset, I need to totally backpedal and, and, you know, do whatever I can. Clients always right. Instead of just realizing a lot of times it's saving us from future pain or it's opening up a door to a better opportunity. Um, there's, Mm -hmm. there's so many reasons to have those high standards Mm -hmm. um, and we don't always see them right away, but they're, they're always there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, anything that you are quitting in this season, anything, any expectations of yourself or, um, anything that you're just really dialing back on to make your life easier or any mental labor that you're like, Meh, this isn't for me anymore. This is your problem now. <laughs> um, what am I dialing back on? Well, one example I brought up earlier was, um, the clothing mental labor for my children. Like I'm the one that does all the clothing. I've realized lately that that really stresses me out. I don't like to shop. Um, I'm the money manager, which I do like to have that part of it. But when I, um, compare the money management to the, like seeing it go out on like clothes and, and that's hard for me. And that's, you know, brings up a lot of feelings. And so I think something that I need to, a conversation I need to have with my husband specifically is like, Hey, our kids need clothes. Here's a budget. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) And because then I have to also like when I order, some, I hate to shop. I don't go into stores. I just shop online. But when I order it, it doesn't fit. Then I also have to manage the returns. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other thing. And so the other day, like I started to get on to Kohl's.com, who the way made it ridiculous to try to return something. <laughs> like I had to print out and like fill out. And I was like, forget it. This needs to go back in the store. And I just set it aside. And I was like, listen, you need to take this back to Kohl's. Here's, here it is. Mm-hmm. And I, and that was it. That was the end of it for me. And so now that's his responsibility to figure out when he's going to go to make sure he's got all the stuff to make sure it goes back on the right card. I was like, I need to, this is something that I need to delegate. So I'm, I'm going to try to quit more of the, um, it has to be me. It has to be yeah. me that, um, does the shopping. It has to be me that does the returns. It has to be me that does the folding it up and putting it away for the next kid. It doesn't, we can do it together. I can say this needs to be done, but I don't have the space for it. And, and I don't, I don't love delegating because again, that's mental labor, but I think at first we do have to point out what we do and, and bring attention to the mental labor that we carry so that our spouses, partners, whoever are aware, and then can take that burden and, and take it off of our shoulders and fold it into their responsibilities. So that's something that I think I need to start being more vocal about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This fall, when I got really burned out, I realized a lot of it was because I was taking a lot of personal things on me too, just Mm -hmm. out of habit. Mm -hmm. And we moved and we, you know, moving is stressful, but we got into the new house and I was like, I am no longer doing everyone's laundry. Everyone gets Mm -hmm. their own laundry basket. Everyone does their own laundry. It Mm -hmm. like made set somehow it made a huge difference. You would think it wouldn't be that different to three persons versus one person. It is yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't do the grocery shopping in our house. 
Um, and that's a mental load that we split, like, because I do most of the cooking. And so my husband will be like, Hey, I'm going to the grocery store today or tomorrow. Here's the list that I've already made. What do you need to add to it? Cause he can't read my mind. He doesn't know what I'm going to cook or what I need to cook. He doesn't know how to cook. He doesn't like to cook. He's not very good at it. So that's one, one of those things I'm going to keep on my plate. I'm going to keep doing most of the cooking, but he's doing the grocery shopping. And so I need to, he's saying, here's the list. If you need something, put it on there. And if I don't put it on there, that's on me to like, then figure out to go to the grocery store and get it or, or whatever. Um, but that's, I, I don't do the grocery shopping anymore. Um, that's, that's his job. So yeah, that's one of those things that it didn't have to be me. And he's done it where he goes in the store. He's also done it where he's done the, the click list pickup. Like, but that's him. I've never done click list. He has, I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. Figured yeah. It out. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm so glad we had this conversation. Anything, um, anything that you're really excited about? How can people find you on the internet? How can people jump in with you and what you're doing? So I tend to hang out on Instagram, um, uh, at Jenna Henderson photo. Um, and I do one-on-one coaching. If, um, burnout is something that you're really dealing with and you're like, oh my gosh, I need so many boundaries. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what my values are. Like, all of those things, I can help you iron it all out. Um, I work through um, clarifying your success, building your boundaries, strategizing your time, simplifying your system, and then ultimately helping you connect with your clients. Um, so we can do that one-on-one in person or Kristen, uh, you can do it through um, my new brand spanking new course called Bright Boss Academy. It's online. It's a course you can log in, go at your own pace. I have a pacing guide to help you stay on track. It's 14, um, 10 to 15 minute lessons that work through the whole thing to help iron out your whole top to bottom business, makes it feel good from the inside out so that you're really running the business that feels good for your life. We're making our, our business, um, fit in around our lives instead of our lives fit in around our business. So that is now available officially. Finally, brightbossacademy.com. Yay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, for having this conversation. And we can't wait to see what you do next. Yay. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again sometime. Okay. This episode was produced and edited by the lovely Jen Madigan Creative. Music for this episode was written and recorded by Jamie Lono and Shammy D. Thanks for being part of our Dangerous Creatives podcast community, and we'll see you again next time.